good morning, uh, good afternoon, wherever you are, whatever day it is, let's pretend it's Sunday, even though, yes, it is Monday, and I did promise you a Sunday uh, bonus episode, but, well, I could come up with a clever lie, but <laughs> I'm just going to be real with y'all, um, turning on this microphone and saying words that are being recorded and probably, hopefully listened to is one of the most nerve-wracking things that I've ever decided to do. And it's so weird that um, this is, for whatever reason, what I feel like I'm supposed to be doing with my voice right now. Um, and yet I feel, I'd say the word in most of what I do, I feel unqualified. I feel, um, there's a lot of voices out there that y'all could be listening to besides mine. Um, and so it's very humbling when I turn on the microphone and it's very, uh, <laughs> very scary for me. So, uh, my fear got the best of me on Sunday and I never recorded. I found a lot of excuses and a lot of reasons, uh, to do other stuff. And, uh, I, yeah, I never recorded, but I do have a message and better late than never. As Shrek would say, no, what, what would Shrek say? Better out than in. So we're not going to, we're not going to go down the Shrek route on this episode. Um, no, but, uh, better late than never. I do have a message to share and I do think that it's something that all of us need to, need to hear. Uh, if you listened to the last podcast episode, which I want to say was 39, um, at the end we got into this a little bit. And uh, then I teased for the Sunday a bonus episode. So, uh, yeah, this is a, a repeat, semi-repeat of episode 40. But, anyways, all right. Enough procrastination. I've been procrastinating for about 36 hours. So, uh, here we go. Here we go. Um, I read some a couple of quotes from Abraham Lincoln that I'm going to repeat here because I think it, it's so important for where we're at in life. In case you haven't noticed, the podcast is a mixture of... Uh, the Friday Detox podcast is a mixture of um, news of the day, important things that people would call politics, and I and I hate that because um, everything is political nowadays. So everything is just another something for us to shut off and ignore. So I hate that, but at the same time, you know, I do try to bring the news of the day to you with my personal commentary. But also, I really want to inject a bit of not a bit a lot of faith and encouragement into the the news because I, f I feel like we get so, and maybe this is just me, maybe this isn't you, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm speaking for myself here, but I feel a lot of stress. I feel, and I've talked to other people about this, um, and politically speaking, it feels like there's just this cloud over, over our country, over our thinking towards policy and politics and policy makers. And it's it's real easy to feel overwhelmed. Uh, I get overwhelmed all the time. Uh, almost every day I, I'm reading the news and watching videos and thinking about what I'm going to bring to the podcast. And it's like there's there's just always more. There's always so much that I want to talk about. There's always, and, and really, the stressor, what it boils down to for me is there's so much I want to talk about, but I don't know enough to be able to feel like I'm qualified to talk about it. And so that in, in and of itself is overwhelming. There's just so much I feel like I need to know. And, and so when we bring that back to our faith, I say all of that because when we bring that to our faith, that 
that unqualified, that unworthy feeling that, uh, well, I, I did this way in the past, or I did this just yesterday, or I did this this morning. These things that, that hang over our heads that we allow to almost excuses to keep us from reaching out to God. And, and I can claim that out of just experience, um, out of personal testimony. I'm assuming there's plenty more out there like me. Uh, but personally, my number one reason for not communicating with God the way I should or, or for not um, reading the Bible or for not praying as, as often or praying as sincerely as I should, um, it boils down to just an unworthiness and a feeling of, man, I really, I really, I, I screwed everything up on Friday and now it's Sunday and here I am and I'm supposed to be praying and why should God listen to me and, and all these things. Um, and so it, it helps me personally to read testimony and to read, um, well, like these quotes I'm, I'm about to read to you from Abraham Lincoln, who, if you, if you strip away all the history lessons, if you strip away just everything that you know about him and just boy, and, and, and really settle on just the, the fact that he was a human being in history who lived in a very uh, stressful, uh, consequential point in time. And, and so then you have to imagine that if we're stressed over here about what we're going through, man, he must have been pretty freaked out back in the 1860s uh, with a country to run and a civil war to, to win. And, and so, so seeing his stress in these quotes that I'm, I'm going to read is encouraging for, to me in, in a certain way. Uh, but at the same time, it's acknowledging that there, there's, there's a disconnect between what we were created for and what we're doing. The, the life that we were intended to live and the existence that we're just treading water trying to maintain. And that, to me, is, is my biggest frustration with life in general. Uh, where it just seems like there's so much that we do is just, that's just what I'm doing today. You know, I, I didn't make a choice to do this today. It's just, I've, for whatever reason, this thing that I'm going to do today is what I have to do. And call it a typical millennial mindset or call it whatever you want to call it. For me having to do something just because somebody says that's what I'm supposed to do is one of the most frustrating things in life. Um, so with that in mind, uh, there are, there are things that are, that are pretty consequential. There are things going on in the world today that are important, that are arguably more important than the things that we focus on from a day-to-day -day basis. But no matter what it is, whether it's I don't know what's something that's unattainable. <laughs> peace in the Middle East, whether it's peace in the Middle East or it's how are you going to afford groceries to last you through your next paycheck? Um, whether it is a presidential election or it's, oh God, I know you told me I'm supposed to tithe 10%, but I'm adding up the numbers right here and, and I, I crunched them, crunched them again. And I'm still, uh, I'm coming up short. Or I'm, I'm right on the line of, of not having enough money to pay my bills and tithe. Uh, so it's those things that we might convince ourselves are inconsequential, but at the same time, they, they matter in eternity. And there, there's a topic that I, I'm 
putting together that I'll, I'll hope to bring you on a Sunday one of these days. But the idea that, you know, we pray for miracles all the time and praying for a miracle in our lives and with our finances and with our emotions and our mental health and we pray for our country and uh, peace and, and unity and things like that and all these things we pray for. Many times we would we would we would testify that we need a miracle in those situations. Um, so if we're asking for a miracle, we're looking for a miracle. There's a miracle in recorded history that is is the reason for our faith. It is the miracle. The only miracle that really matters in the through the lens of eternity, your eternal soul. Really it only took one miracle and that was the miracle of of Jesus dying on the cross, staying buried for 3 days and then rising again on the 3rd day and ascending into heaven leaving for us his holy spirit. Um, and what all of that means, there, there's so much that can be said there, but what all of that means is we have hope. We have a choice, life or death. And, and that's a pretty simple choice. Uh, and yet we complicate it so much because of these other things that we stress about, these other things that we inject into our lives or we allow to be injected into our lives that cloud that whole perspective if we could see things through the lens of the victory has already been achieved, can you imagine how much stress that would take away from little decisions uh, like bills? Things that, yes, are stressful, but if you view them through the lens of God, it's, hey, that's a piece of cake. Don't worry about that. I got that. And and so back to Abraham Lincoln, I think, you know, he's he's praying for, uh, maybe he had a fight with his wife or, you know, he had a, he had to kick the dog or whatever, you know, these, these silly things that, that people just go through. And then on top of that, the freaking civil war. So I think the guy knows a little bit about stress. So I want to read what he says about what, what's the objective? What, what do we need to accomplish? Where are we, where were we, and where are we trying to go? And so here's a couple quotes. Quote, Abraham Lincoln, I, am, I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for that day. And then here's another quote. This is a long one. <laughs> Bear with me. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. Now tell me if this doesn't sound like where we're at right now. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown, but we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us, and we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all of these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. We have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. Ooh, I mean, that, that's where we're at. Folks, I mean, that's, that's exactly where we are at. We came from nothing to greatness as a nation through 
not our own efforts, through the provision and the blessing and the grace of God, when we had a goal, when we had a vision in mind of, of creating a nation where people can be who they want to be, worship how they want to worship, worship who they want to worship or, or not worship at all, just to be free. Um, and God blessed that. God sanctified that and, and gave it to us. And then we forgot God. And now we think that there's something that we as humans, as Americans, as you know, patriots or liberals or conservatives or Democrats or Republicans, there's something that we are supposed to do. And it's false. Continuing. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, with a capital P, to confess our national sins and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. It's an important word. Not a whole lot of forgiveness going on in the world today. Um, we do have national sins that I believe as a nation, well, I won't go there. Um, we do have national sins, all of us collectively. And it's the lack of forgiveness that we're experiencing in our country right now. All right, let me finish up this quote. I'll read that section again. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. All this being done in sincerity and truth, let us then rest humbly in the hope authorized by the divine teachings, that the united cry of the nation will be heard on high and answered with blessings no less than the pardon of our national sins and, and the restoration of our now divided and suffering country to its former happy condition of unity and peace. That, that to me read like a prayer. That to me from Abraham Lincoln read like, I don't know what we're supposed to do <laughs> to, to heal this rift between half of the country and then the other half. Um, I know what we did that caused it, and that was turning away from God, kicking God out of every institution of our government. But now how do we come back? How do we, how do we come back from this? How do we avoid worst-case scenario and achieve something that hopefully is best-case scenario? Um, something that doesn't involve war. Something that doesn't involve the tearing down of America. Not for America's sake, but for what it represents, for what it stands for, and for who it points to. Um, thankfully, the Bible gave us a little bit of a, a remedy for this. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, quote, Then if my people who are called by, by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. And that to me struck me, I've heard that verse before many times, but... I was listening to a radio show, not a Christian radio show, but a caller called in and said, I, I feel like this verse is something that Christians, people of faith, need to hear right now. The point being that this particular verse doesn't say that if, then if my people who are called by my name will preach to everybody about their need to be humble and to pray and to seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. No, it's if my people 
who are called by my name will humble themselves. So, so the point being that it's not up to us to change others. It is, it's not up to others to change. It is up to us to do what it is God requires of us as Christians, as people of faith. Let's read that again. Then if my people who are called by my name, the way I read that is they're called by my name, they're referred to by my name, Christians, Christ. We are Christians because of our identity in Christ. So if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. There is nothing here referencing or or anything people who are outside of the church. It is the people who are called by his name. And, and so that... The analytical side of me now wants to go in and say, well, what does that mean? <laughs> How do we achieve this? Uh, how do we go from our current state and get to ultimately which, what would be hopefully unity and peace for the country? So the Bible is saying that if, if Christians will humble themselves, if God's people will humble themselves, that he will see that and he will look down from heaven and forgive and bless. How do we get that? How do we do that? So I felt like, well, maybe we should just start with the definition. The definition of humble being marked by meekness or modesty in behavior, attitude, or spirit, not arrogant or prideful. Um, I think that's a pretty universally understood word. It's something that we all look for in leaders. We want to see humility. We don't necessarily look for it in ourselves because we're always trying, especially, I'll say myself, doing things like a podcast, doing things like trying to get found on social media. It's like, I don't see a lot of humility out of there from people, but then how do we juggle that with, well, I want to get an audience, you know? So there's a whole mind, um, jumble going there. Like, I don't know what to do <laughs> bottom line, but the Bible says exactly what to do and it's to be humble. And so I, I would assume that a, a God giving us a plan, giving us a mission and a journey to embark on would provide the rest. So then what's the definition of moral? And this gets me to my larger point. Uh, moral, of or concerned with the judgment of right or wrong, of human action and character, teaching or exhibiting goodness or correctness of character and behavior conforming to standards of what is right or just in behavior, virtuous. So being a moral people, um, I think I said in, in the podcast version of this message about America being the moral standard, being the moral high ground for the world. And what does that mean? That, that meaning that we have to be a moral people in order to be the moral standard for the rest of the world to, to point people to the correct form or version of morality. Um, we have to be that ourselves. So thinking back to second Chronicles in order to, to heal our nation, to heal the world, even through what our lifestyles and what are our, our morality or humbleness or meekness or whatever, those things are pointing. Those are, they're serving as an example of the one that, in whose image we've been created. And, and so in order to 
really affect change, to really make a difference eternally speaking, it's upon us to be humble and to be a moral people. Not as Americans, but as Christians. And then everything else follows. And that's what's really been just kind of bouncing around in my head the past week. Um, so, so how do we achieve that? You know, it, it, let's, let's say, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I think, like I've said before, I think every relationship with God is 100% unique, just like we are 100% unique. So I think it's different for every person, but as far as achieving humbleness or morality, I'll give you a hint. It's not by voting a certain way. It's not by posting uh, political memes. And I'm speaking to myself here. Um, it's not by doing X, Y, and Z, checking boxes one, two, and three. Um, it's by li- leaving, living a humble and moral life. Whatever that looks like, uh, according to your own convictions and according to to your relationship with God and the things that he impresses upon you on a personal level. That, that's, that's a question that only you can answer. But then I think universally what we can acknowledge is that an absence of morality or an absence of humility leads to the things that God says he detests, like pride. And, and so I would say that if God is detesting it, I would maybe that's a decent definition of evil, right? I saw a video of um, somewhat would call him, I guess, a conservative thought leader. Uh, I, I would just call him a genius in general. But his name is Jordan Peterson, and he was given a talk uh, to PragerU. Um, and one of the things he said was, basically, I'll paraphrase him, I, I didn't go out looking for God and found God. He said, I went out searching and I found evil. And he said, and, and I couldn't deny that existence of evil. I couldn't deny the, the effects and the ramifications that came from that evil. Therefore, there must be an antithesis. And that's what sent him on his journey. Um, and he was making a, a point that, and, and, and this didn't at first really sit well with me. It was tough for me to, uh, to acknowledge. But he said that it's really naive to think that people are inherently good. And in my mind, I've always chosen to believe, no, people are inherently good. People want to do good. And I I think that it's kind of semantics there to some level. But the point he was making is that when you look around you and all you see are good people, and you can actually say, well, I think that at least... The people that I encounter, I think predominantly are good or want to be good or pursuing good. He said that that, the ability to think that is in itself a miracle. To believe that people are inherently good is actually to be completely naive. Because there's so much evil in the world. And yet we, really as a generation, as my generation, the millennial generation, we've been so sheltered from so much of the evil of the world. So the the naivety that comes, that has to be there, that has to exist for us to think that, oh, most people are just good, um, it's a miracle. He said, count yourself blessed if you you live in peace. And 
And what we should take from that is not, I mean, I'm not saying that we need to feel bad for living in peace or feel bad for, for looking at people and thinking that they're inherently good. But we should acknowledge the fact that we have been surrounded and protected from much of the evil that's out there. So what that does in bringing that back to uh, being a moral people is, well, how do we, one, how do we preserve that where we're at? And then two, how do we spread it? How do we increase that good? How do we promote peace and spread it? And again, that's just something that that's on a personal level, affecting your personal network. Like we've said before on the podcast, um, we're all influencers. We're all influencing somebody. We're all affecting somebody's opinion one way or the other. And that can be terrifying. <laughs> that can be a really terrifying thing to think about. But um, I do want to encourage you in that, that yes, with great power comes great responsibility. But at the same time, thinking back to that, that single miracle, the miracle of the cross being the only miracle that matters, we're already on the path. We're already achieving victory. Victory has already been won. So how do we claim a little piece of that? How do we get involved? How do we you know, get on the team, get off the bench? That's the answer, <laughs> is to, to get off of the bench, to start doing some of these things yourself, finding a way that even if, you know, there, there's something I have to tell myself all the time. What if I have this podcast? What if I, if I uh, do all this effort? What, what if I never see the good that came of it? That's kind of a terrifying idea for me. Or, or really, what if it came down to just one person was affected positively? One person was impacted. One person said, maybe I should look into this thing called faith. What if it was just for one person? And that's just, that's just something I, <laughs> I have to acknowledge sometimes because it is difficult. But the encouragement comes from God wants us as his children, him being our father. God wants us to be happy but not at the expense of his plan. If we are outside his plan, if we were pursuing an objective that's not of his will, or if we are leading others in a direction that is not towards reconciliation with God, well, then happiness is out the door because we've deviated from the only true source of true happiness. So when we discover God's plan for us, like right now, I, I wouldn't say I've discovered it. I feel like I'm discovering. I know enough to know what is not part of his plan. I'll put it that way. Some of the things that I would want to pursue, it doesn't, I don't have peace about it. It doesn't feel like that's what God wants me to do. These other things that scare the crap out of me, I guess, yeah, if that's part of the plan, then let's do it. So discovering the plan, choosing to follow it, means that you to some level, to whatever degree you will achieve happiness. But, and I'm sure you've heard this before. Um, so I won't spend a lot of time on it, but happiness at my pastor a few months ago had a sermon, or I guess it was last month. Uh, and he, he brought up happiness and he said, happiness has the same root word as happening. It is, it is happenstance. It's what's happening right now. Happiness is momentary. Joy is sustaining. Joy comes to you when you need it. Joy is not circumstantial. It is a, it's a, it's a, it's a state of mind. It's a, it's a choice. It's a decision. It is, it is what you've reaped 
from sowing seeds of contentedness, of um, doing what it is you feel called to do. And so, uh, so before I send you out of here, I want I want to uplift you a little bit. Uh, I had a not a depressing weekend. It was a good weekend, but it was one of those weekends where it's like. I don't feel like I hit the mark. I don't feel like I did necessarily what I was supposed to do. And that, uh, well, personally, that is, that's what keeps me up at night. But we do need to be encouraged. We do need to be uplifted. And before I send you off, I want you to understand that you are not too far gone, first of all. Second of all, let's say you are pretty far gone. I've been there. Let's say it's been a long time since you've ever had that conversation with God of, hey, man, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. All I know is I'm spinning my wheels. I'm treading water, and I can't keep doing this. It can take years to achieve that level of distance from God. It can. And, And I've spent years and years and years distancing myself from God. And it's never reaped anything but just more sadness, more unsure, uh, being more unsure of myself, being less confident in what I'm doing, just everything. But while it can take years to distance yourself from God, it'll take a millisecond for him to welcome you home. When you decide in that moment, you know what, I'm done. I'm done spinning my wheels. I'm done trying. I'm done leaning on my own ability, my own understanding, my own uh, passions. I can't do it. I've been trying, and I can't do it. In that second, you're home. God's got you. He's just waiting for you to acknowledge your inability, because in your inability, through your inability, he gets to shine, and that's what it's all about. If you're up on stage and you're playing music and it's not pointing to the glory of God, you could be singing the most you could be singing amazing grace. But if it's not being done in the right spirit, it's being limited to your own ability. And as we've noticed in life, our own ability is definitely not enough. Um So we're starting the week. We're already halfway through Monday. Um but we're starting the week and it's another chance to take steps in the direction of where not only not only what you want to do or where you want to go but where you're supposed to go and what you're supposed to do and there's nothing more fulfilling than putting your head on a pillow at night and knowing I did what I was supposed to do today this thing that I that has been just Poking away, you know, like a little kid just poking his little sisters over and over and over. That little thing that's been poking your heart, just saying, hey, dude, you're, you're, you're trying so hard and you're doing all these things. And yeah, they're great, but I got something over here that's just so much better for you and so much better for everybody around you. I just need you to quiet down a little bit and, and listen. So what is that thing? What is that passion? What is that emotion? What is that th- anything that you want to do or see or experience or, or let go of or embrace? 
What scares you? What terrifies you? What keeps you up at night? What is God's plan for your life? Your mission this week. Identify it. Pray about it. Pursue it. That is where your effort comes in. Pursue that plan for your life. And achieve it. And in achieving it, it may not be today, it may not be this decade. It may be a lifelong pursuit. But at least at the end of the race, you get to hear those words. Good job. Good and faithful servant. You did this your whole life. You accomplished it. Now you're here. And now you got all of eternity to look forward to. So that's all I got for y'all. I hope that was encouraging. I hope that you have a great week. I hope you will pursue your passion, pursue the things that, that God blessed you with the passion to desire to do or to feel or to achieve. And just remember to, to do it all in his name, not for your own glory or for your own uh, fulfillment or your own whatever, your own vanity. If it points back to God, it doesn't mean you're going to get a ton of Instagram followers from it. But just like the only miracle that matters being the in the eyes of eternity being the cross, eternity is what matters. And I think we've we've shoved eternity aside for too long and focused on what's right now. And we're just everybody's just trying so hard that and nobody's really accomplishing anything. So think of what humility and morality mean in your life, what they look like in your life, and how you can be an example of those things. And then think of what what it is God wants you to do in that humility and through those principles that you have that you base your life off of. And identify it, pray about it, pursue it, and achieve it. Have a great week, guys. I'll talk to you on Friday for the Friday Detox. Thank you.